themselves have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Right? And so this is a step in that direction to make us aware of terrible things that go on. Some, it's hard to imagine the depth of evil that lives in our world, isn't it? It's hard to imagine that anyone would victimize another human being to that degree, would just simply take advantage of another person to that degree and would use them and abuse them and, and be so wicked, act so wickedly towards them, but it happens all the time. And it's just one more, it's, it's just a part of the, the ultimate reality of what life is on planet Earth and what humanity is without God. We're, we're seeing it everywhere. It, I've got, I got a message put together, um, but maybe a little less time than I um, had in mind to be able to share it. But a thought that's really been on my heart, and it kind of leads us into this message, is that, you know, I mentioned last week how uh, we're, we're seeing this great um, outpouring flood of everything sexual. Okay, it all began 30 and 40 years, 40, 50 years ago with the whole Playboy thing and the Hugh Hefner thing and all the magazines and all the pornography. It all started around then and it has just become a, an absolute flood of sexuality over us in now on every level. Now, you know, men, women, children, everything is being sexualized. It's all we're hearing about is, and, and, and it, it is, I believe it is simply a, a complete work that is on the agenda of the prince of this world, who is simply, what, what, what is happening to us as a culture, in my judgment, is that we are watching the movement of what happens when a culture goes from a Christian culture to a post-Christian culture to a pagan culture. And what happens is in a Christian culture, the, the forces of wickedness are held back because there's a standard of righteousness and morality that people generally agree on. And so deep wickedness doesn't surface all the time. It's out there, it's back there someplace, but it's kind of kept at bay because it, do, because it, it doesn't have that kind of support. But as, as the Christian consensus in our nation diminishes, what happens is the pagan na- consensus in our nation is increasing radically. And so we're seeing all of these things and it's like, where'd this come from? Where, you know, like something like this, this human trafficking or this whole transgender stuff that's happening everywhere. And, and, and you can see that it's, it's, a, it's a contagion. It wasn't happening years ago. All of a sudden it's happening. Now it's really happening. And it's just simply a spirit, so to speak, that is being poured out on our nation as our nation moves away from Christ. And the more we move, the more we get ourselves away from Christ and away from Christianity, what happens is that when, when Christ comes in, let me see if I can just explain this thing, okay? The, 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 way, the way I understand that this works. When um, when, they're, when people are godly, okay, the, the, the spirits of wickedness are driven out, okay? The spirit of God is in place. When people live godly and when we honor God with the way that we live, wicked things don't have any chance because the gospel trumps everything. It triumphs over everything. It is victorious over everything. And, and so 
when people live according to the word of God, there's peace, there's harmony, there's joy, there's fruit of the spirit. All of that is part of what happens when a culture is Christian. And, and th- that is not something that can ever happen top down. It happens bottom up. It happens at the grassroots level. That's why scripture can say, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and will turn from their wicked ways and will seek my face, I will hear from heaven, I will um, forgive their sin, and I will heal their land right? Proverbs chapter 7, verse 14. So when, when God's people make our ways amenable to who God is and to, to his ways, well, it drives out evil. But when that changes and when we no longer stand for Christ and stand for the word of God and stand for truth, that's what we're standing for, truth. We're looking at error and gross error of things that have, we'd never even had to think about before. And all of a sudden, these things are pressing. These are important. This has got to be done. All this, all this new business about gender manipulation, gender fluid, uh, all, uh, fluid and all, all, that, all that type of stuff. It is all a great spirit that's coming over us. And so what, I'm, uh, what I was trying to um, speak out against last week is that we at this level have to resist this in a profound way, in the most profound way, because it is the, the only thing that will stop the flood tide is when God's people who are called by his name humble themselves and pray. The whole Second Chronicles 7.14, I understand that's spoken to Jews and that's Old Testament and all of that, but it is still consistent with who God is. If we honor him, he'll honor us. If we dishonor him, our honor will be gone. Because the only honor that can be found is the honor that is ultimately God's that he shares with us when we become people who are upright and good. So we're in the middle of this whole um, progression from Christian nation, all right, that was gone a while ago, or that was, that was suffering and dying a slow death a while ago, but we're moving rapidly to pagan nation. And we haven't yet seen what that's going to look like, but I'll promise you, it's going to be ugly. It's going to be wicked. It's going to be, it's going to be like sexual um, things all over the place. Like, like, just like you hear this story that Tim Tebow just shared, and you hear this story and you think, how can it be? How can one person do that to another person? But it happens, and it happens when people lose the fear of God. And that's what I want to talk to you about today, the fear of God. And I got about five minutes to do that, but we'll, we'll, we'll enter into it this morning, because there's tons to say about this topic, so here we go. Let's take a minute and just commit this time to the Lord. I'm, I'm, I've entitled this message, let's see if I get it turned on this time, that was a little embarrassing. Hey, all right, isn't that sweet? The spiritual start button. Need to get yourself going, need to get yourself started, need to get your spiritual juices flowing again, I believe this message will have something for you. And here's uh, our text. The fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. The fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and and instruction. Let's take a moment and commit this time to the Lord. Heavenly Father, thank you for everybody who's here. Thank you for the work that you're doing in our life. Thank you that you don't just let us go off into sin and error and wickedness and foolishness, 
but you are, you have, your spirit strives with us. It continues to deal, speak to our hearts, oh God, about where we are, about what our, what, what, who we need to be in order to represent you properly and in order to be a blessing to this nation that we are so privileged to have been born into. Thank you for this place that you've made available to us. Thank you for your many blessings. Thank you for many, many, many years of faithfulness, O oh God, that you have walked with us and you have done all that has made this church to continue to thrive and stand strong in the midst of a of, of this crazy hour. God, we just thank you for all the grace that you have poured out on us. We pray that you will lead us this morning as we take some time to, to attend to what you have to say in your word. So bless us now as we look into your word. Give us wisdom and insight. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. <clears throat> okay, so the scriptures have wonderful things to say about this thing called the fear of the Lord. It is highly it is highly recommended. Um, well, here's, here's a couple of just little, little teasers, okay? Proverbs 1.7. The fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge. The, the, the script, scripture presents this thing called the fear of the Lord because we tiptoe around it a lot. We kind of, we soft pedal it a little bit, and, and I, I want to not do that. I don't want us to think that it is just something benign. This is something very active and very radical. And so, um, but I want you to see how the scripture recommends the wisdom of learning, to, learning the fear of the Lord. So we'll start with just a little, a little sample of some verses. Let me get a little sip here. And let me just go through these. The fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And note the word beginning in the um, previous verse. Note that word foundation. Proverbs 15.33 puts it this way. The fear of the Lord is the instruction for wisdom. That's a really important little phrase. The fear of the Lord is the instruction for wisdom, and before honor comes humility. Proverbs 19.23 says, the fear of the Lord leads to life. Proverbs 14.27 says, the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. Proverbs 22.4, or I'm sorry, 10.27, is that where we are? Yeah, Proverbs 10.27 says, the fear of the Lord prolongs life. So it leads to life. It's a fountain of life. It prolongs life according to the word. And then Proverbs 22 lets us know that there's some blessings associated with this. If we actually learn the fear of the Lord, if we actually choose to walk in the fear of the Lord, there will be some blessings. It says, by humility and fear of the Lord are riches, honor, and life. If I were to ask, how many would like riches? Every hand goes up. How many would like honor? every hand goes up. How many would like life? Every hand goes up. So all of these things are things that we all want. We put a lot of time in trying to acquire them and get them. And God is saying, look, I'll save you a lot of trouble. Practice this and riches, honor, and life will come along with the deal at no extra cost. Is that awesome or what? Right? So if we focus on this one thing, learning to fear the Lord, understanding what it is, embracing it, 
embracing this whole idea of fearing the Lord. And notice in all these verses, the fear of the Lord is kind of set before us as a precursor, as something foundational, something that's basic, something that has got to be in place, all right? And, and that the benefits will come if this one thing is in its foundational spot, if it's in, it, if it's in its fundamental spot. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of true knowledge, or the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and direction. So all of the blessings of wisdom that God has, and and as as we go through this, because we're gonna be in Proverbs for the whole summer. So we're gonna take a look at Proverbs and see all of the admonitions toward wisdom and the blessings associated with actually living and walking uh, in, in God's wisdom. They are all available to the one who approaches it by this path called the fear of the Lord. Wisdom is something that right now, I'm sure you would agree, is desperately needed in our world. Wisdom right now is something that is terribly lacking in our world. Wisdom is something that is desperately needed in our our church. Here's a a statement that kind of speaks to um, us at this particular moment. It says of Christ, um, he will be the sure foundation for your times, a rich store of salvation and wisdom and knowledge. The fear of the Lord is key to this treasure. Wisdom, and he will be a sure foundation for your time, a rich store of salvation, wisdom, and knowledge. In other words, in the midst of crazy times, which is where we are right now, in the midst of instability, in the midst of radical change going on, it says that God himself will be the sure foundation for our times, and the key to him being the sure foundation for our times is the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is key to this treasure. It's what the body of Christ needs in order to do and be who we're supposed to be and do what we're supposed to be doing here on earth. We need it as the body of Christ. Take a look at this verse. Um, This is a book, we we were in Ephesians not too long ago, and uh, this verse is in the third chapter of Ephesians, and it speaks about what what God's purpose is in, in creating a church anyway for there even to be a church. In other words, God didn't just come, Christ didn't just come down and then start a club. And we're gonna have these different groups of clubs everywhere and they're gonna be my club, the Christian club. Not at all. He came down here to start a new humanity. And that new humanity would be built upon the ruins of the fallen humanity and would show the world what it looks like when people actually live according to God's way. That's what the church is here for. It's not, a, it's not a Christian club. It's not just a place to get together and socialize. Well, it's good. It's all wonderful. It's all part of the, the big picture. But we are here to radically impact planet Earth and lives on planet Earth. That's what we're here for. Here's what this verse has to say. You'll see how, how uh, strongly Paul emphasizes this. It says, so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. In other words, Paul is saying by the third chapter, he's saying, here is why God did this thing called the church. He did this thing uh, called the church so that God could put on display, hey everybody, this is what it looks like when I'm in charge. 
It's exactly what the Old Testament, what God spoke to the Jewish people. He said, listen, if you obey me, if you choose to do it my way, if you live according to my laws and my ways and my word and my precepts, you'll be the head, not the tail. You'll be the first, not the last. I will lift you up and I will exalt you. And that promise is still and will forever be in play. That if we are humble before God, if we will, if, if we will um, live humbly before God and righteously before God, God will exalt us in due season. That's his promise. So anyway, here you see, oops, here you see in this particular promise that Paul, or this particular um, part of the, of the letter to the people at Ephesus, Paul is really emphasizing that the, the purpose of the church is to, to demonstrate um, what God's wisdom looks like. People should, and, and, and that, that's what people should sense when they come here. They should sense that God's in this place. They should sense that by the worship, by the singing, by the preaching, certainly. They should sense that God is working in these people. They should sense that by getting to know you and to know what your testimony is and how you came to the Lord and all of that. So anyway, this verse kind of sets up the fact that we are only here for the purpose of being able to influence the fallen world around us so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Don't miss that. To the rulers and authorities. Remember before I was saying that when, when Christ is enthroned or when Christ is enthroned in the hearts of his people, when Christ reigns, darkness is gone. Darkness cannot remain where Christ is. But when Christ is rejected or shunned or refused, darkness comes rushing back in. And that's what he's saying, that the church is to manifest the manifold wisdom of God to these principalities, powers, authorities, so that, so that spirits of wickedness have to back off when people practice godly living. And godly living begins with this, with this concept, the fear of the Lord. One more verse. And we will have to pull the plug on it this morning. But the church is by nature intended to be an earthly society rebuilt upon the wisdom of God. This is what it means to live for Jesus Christ. So our first purpose is to, um, is to honor the Lord. So here's, check this verse out. That their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance and understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and, and knowledge. So Christ himself, and, and Paul, this is why Paul prays at the very beginning of that letter to the people of Ephesus, and he says, I'm praying that God will give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. This is kind of the precursor to get ready for the, for the things that we need to learn from the book of Proverbs. The spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And so that's how I want to close this morning. I think that's, that's a good spot. Um, stand together with me, would you? Because I want to pray as we start this journey that this same spirit that Paul spoke of to the people in Ephesus when he, he said to them, for this reason I bow my knee before the Father, I pray that, you will, that the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him will be upon you and will make you wise in every, in every good thing. And so this is what we need. This, all these things are spiritually discerned. They are more than just mental. They are more than just cerebral. They are spiritual realities. They have to be grasped spiritually. So let's, 
I, I want to pray for us that the spirit of wisdom and revelation in, in the knowledge of him, and no, don't, all that needs to be connected and kept together. The spirit of wisdom and revelation, it's not about I'm going to receive all kinds of wild revelations and all kinds of interesting knowledge and all kinds of cool things. I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to have dreams. and revel- It's not about that. It is wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus himself. It is knowing who Jesus really is. Knowing who Jesus really is changes everything in this world. Changes everything. You know, one of the things that kind of was, was really on my heart today was this, in terms of this whole thing of the fear of the Lord. Like, if we fear God properly, you fear nothing else. Can I get an amen on that? Right? If you fear God rightly, you know that you don't have anything else to be afraid of. But we, got, we have a pole reversal in our, in our fear system, okay? So we tend to not fear God, and then we're afraid of everything else. We're afraid of failure, we're afraid of loss, we're afraid of death, we're afraid of finance, financial loss, we're afraid of losing our job, we're afraid that somebody might walk away. You know what I mean? We're, we're afraid of all kinds of things, and all of that is simply the result of not properly fearing the Lord. Because for the person who properly fears the Lord, they have committed their life under the sovereignty of God, and that life now belongs to him. There's nothing to fear. There's nothing to worry about anymore. Do you believe that? That is true. That is true. So I'm gonna pray that God will allow the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him to be upon us. And then I'm gonna charge you to go read your Proverbs. Every day, take out the, the, the chapter for that, that, that particular day of the month. Um, and, and read that chapter and, and take some time and meditate on it. Let it just kind of sink in. Marinate in it a little bit. Enjoy it. Receive it. Re- revel in it a little bit. Father God, thank you for this morning and thank you for your, your word. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for life. Thank you for the, the opportunity to find the way in this world, oh God, and to, not, to no longer be lost and frustrated and angry and bitter and confused. Because that's all that... That's all that the world really offers. Frustration, futility, and confusion. But we thank you that in you there is hope, there is life, there is peace, there is purpose in every way. God, I'm praying specifically and asking you specifically, as Paul did 2,000 years ago, for his people that were in Ephesus, and he prayed that you you would grant them to have the spirit of revelation and wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And so we present this same request before you today, Lord God. Would you bless us as a a church body, as a church family, as as your family, oh God, would you allow that spirit to fall upon us so that as we look into your word, we will... It will, you will just open it up to us. It will make sense and it will allow us to find the way. It will chart the way. It will, it will bring the light that is needed, the truth that is needed for us to navigate our way through this fallen, lost, broken, stupid, foolish, badly flawed world. We thank you that there's hope and salvation in you. So Lord God, would you lift your hands right now, everybody? Would you just, just lift up your hands? I, I, I don't know if that's too much for anybody. Okay, but you can do it. It'll be all right. It won't kill you. It won't kill you. Okay? Lord God, we lift our hands before you to receive something from you that we have have deep need for. Oh God, we need your spirit upon our lives. So bless us, we pray, oh Lord God, as we stand before you. We ask, Lord, that you reveal this thing to us 
in a glorious way and bring honor to your name. I pray this in Jesus' name and for his sake.